0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Undercovered Prospects, not... Undercovered Ops, Undercovered Prospects is where I told you about Anthony Schwartz, Elijah Mitchell, and all those fun guys that you now have on your team and you don't need to go add because you already have them. So the shades are back. The shades are back. We got to celebrate. For the viewing audience, I got the shades back because we're seeing through the bullshit. We had a hell of a weekend. Juwan Johnson snagging not one, but two touchdowns against Green Bay tilting all of the Troutman owners into oblivion. Yes, I had Troutman. I love Troutman. He had more targets and more routes. I'm one of those people. But I also own Jawan Johnson because of opportunity, athleticism, and Big Bob Tunyon is 6'5", 230 pounds. He finished tight end six in fantasy points last season. New Orleans is going to want to score points. they got the Panthers, the Patriots, the Giants, Washington, all teams that I just listed have good cornerbacks. I'm sorry, but I'm afraid Marquez Calloway isn't the focus right now. J.C. Jackson, J.C. Horn, James Bradbury, William Jackson, the next four weeks heading into the week six bye. Coming out of the bye, week seven, Seattle, Tampa, Atlanta, Tennessee. Talk to me then. I- I'm all about Calloway, but right now if you have Calloway on your team anyways, you don't need him right now. You have guys to start. Calloway is going to get his. Give him a little bit of time. And, you know, he's going to catch the occasional deep ball. He's going to get opportunities, but it is what it is. Then we move on to K.J. Osborne in Minnesota. He smashes. Seven for 76 on nine targets. (sighs) You're welcome. Elijah Mitchell, whom we talked about on the Undercovered Prospects show back in March. You love to see it. Just dominated in San Francisco relegating sermon to the bench if you support on patreon.com fortress carpenter nfl you would know i advocated to fade blowing all your fab on this backfield or the baltimore backfield both of these teams are going to use the committee attack they always have they always will good luck in fantasy starting one of anybody in either of these backfields each week it's it's gonna suck but opportunity is king speaking of opportunity antonio gibson over 89 and a half rushing and receiving yards on thursday night football underdogfantasy.com Go there right now, promo code on world. $10 at deposit, deposit 10, get 10, put that $20 on Antonio Gibson, over 89 and a half total receiving and rushing yards. Walk out this weekend with $40 in your pocket. You're welcome. The numbers at 86 and a half, 91 and a half and other places get it at 89 and a half on underdog today. Vegas doesn't know what to do. Washington's playing a bad New York team and they want to control the clock. Just do it. It's easy. Um, let's jump into team breakdowns, though. Denver Broncos. Jerry Judy went down. High ankle fuck. You hate to see it. Insert Noah Fant. Albert Okui After Jerry Judy was injured, Tim Patrick, eight routes. Cortland Sutton, seven routes. Noah Fant, six. KJ Hamler, five. The bigger news out of this whole scenario is Jerry Judy had 15 routes in the slot during this game. Number two in the team, Noah Fant had 12. 12 out of his 29 routes were in the slot. Fant is down from 4,300 to 4,200 on DraftKings this week. If you need a tight end and he's available in your home leagues, that's a guy to stream, and I like Fant, period. On the Rams, Van Jefferson's running right now as the wide receiver three in L.A. Deshaun Jackson only ran seven routes on 17 snaps. The Van Jefferson's 18 routes on 32 snaps? Come on. Also, shout out to Tutu Atwell. He didn't even run a single route in this game, so that's cool. Blowing another pick. like it, it, It's Bob Woods. It's it's Cooper Cup. It's Tyler Higby Ran a full route share. Those are the guys you want in these offenses. You don't want these guys that you don't want Tutu. You don't want Van Jefferson. They're going to be there. They're going to catch the ball, but they're also going to give you a lot of zero and zero games. That's just the bottom line. Like I said, 87 air yards, though, for Van Jefferson. Two receptions, 80 yards. You see what you're going to get out of that. I would rather have Cooper Cup, seven for 108. Why not? Robert Woods got a little locked up, tough matchup. I don't know. I I, I I can't be sold on Van Jefferson. I'm just not there. I'm also not in on Tutu Atwell. But Jacksonville, Seattle, Houston wide receiver situations. DJ Chark opens up the season three receptions, 12 targets, 86 yards. The guy had 197 air yards this weekend. 197 air yards. He's not dead. LaVisca Chenault. 7 for 50, 28 air yards, obviously, Yak Monster. He ran 41 routes on 49 snaps. DJ Chark had 61 snaps. He ran 45 routes. Those are like the two guys there. It actually surprised me, like, all three of these guys ate this weekend. They played Houston, obviously, so it was like Marvin Jones, 5 for 77, Chark, 3 for 80. Like, they all got theirs. You go to Seattle. Also, I cannot believe this this D. Eskridge thing. We knew Eskridge wasn't going to be the the greatest receiver of all time. It, it kind of feels like a McCole Hardman thing, right? Like why they they pump him up and then he runs four routes. He runs four routes in week one. They pump him up they're like D. Eskridge is going to be a thing. He's going to be our number three. Why not? And it's Freddie Swain. Like Freddie Swain, we talked about at the end of last season. Freddie Swain's not special but obviously neither is D Eskerge. Like, yeah, he's going to maybe be, what, a deep threat guy? I'm not there. The more important thing I think in Seattle is who's the three option? Gerald Everett, maybe. Gerald Everett, 38 snaps, 15 routes. Will Disley, 38 snaps, 17 routes. So Will Disley actually ran more routes than Gerald Everett did in this game. The only difference is Gerald Everett was targeted twice for 20 yards and caught the touchdown. Will Disley, three receptions for 37 yards on three targets. We think Everett's going to be the guy, but is he? The last one I want to stop in is Houston. I'm not a big fan of this whole situation, but dude, it's Houston. They're talking about Danny Amendola being the number three in this. Fade that noise completely. They brought him in because they needed depth. We're not there on that. They want to make Nico the guy next to Brendan Cooks. The writing's on the wall for Nico to be a bigger, a better Marvin Jones. Think about like Josh Gordon, right? Like this this whole situation in Houston is, it's ugly and it's going to be ugly. Yeah, they had a good week one, but it's going to fade off. You remember last season, Uh, Jacksonville beat what Indianapolis in week one or two, and then they went one and fifteen in the season. Houston still sucks, but they're still gonna feed Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins. Also, Farrell Brown, you don't you don't need Pharaoh, you don't need Farrell Brown. You wanna target Nico Collins who comes in, he has 25 routes. Second on the team behind Brandon Cooks is 31. Nico was only targeted three times, one reception for seven yards. It is what it is. It was his first game, first career game in the NFL. The, the expectations were, were too high. He's also playing with Tyrod Taylor. Like there's only so much Tyrod can do. They ran the ball a lot with Mark Ingram, which was also stupid. We, we're not a fan of that. Let's move on to Washington though. I love Washington. Deami Brown. We talked about him early on this season. He moved all the way up to number five in my wide receiver rookie rankings early on this year. There's a reason for that. I look at him as like a type. He can indeed run routes, guys. He's not just a deep threat. That's just how it is. He's a dog. Heineke is going to you know, temper his upside in year one, but in certain spots, he's going to be viable. I think Washington really just wants to control the clock, feed Gibson, feed Logan Thomas and McLaurin and control the game. He had 46 snaps, 19 routes, just two less than Terry McLaurin in this game. That's pretty important because the next guy after them, it was McLaurin had 50 snaps. Diami had 46. McLaurin ran 21 routes, Deami 19. Adam Humphreys was the third guy in this list, and he ran 15 less routes than Diami and had 14 routes. The other three guys, Dax Milne, Cam Sims, DeAndre Carter, they did they did nothing. Like they're they're nothing in comparison to Diami And the only reason Humphreys really got run is because he had a good connection with Fitzpatrick in camp. Now Fitzpatrick's on the IR. I think it's an ugly situation, other than what I mentioned earlier. I think this only helps Gibson and and maybe Logan Thomas. Um, yeah, exactly, Aaron in the chat. Don't love Diami this year, but the future is bright. Like this year is going to be tough, I think, for him just because of how it's built. Unless they get a more pass happy quarterback, I think Heineke actually brings a little Konami factor. He's not going to be a game changer, but this this offense wants to control the ball. They got a great defense, and that's how they they just want to play slow ball, and that's the smart way to do it. Let me pause for just just a second here. I got to give a shout out to my guys over at PR Breaker. They've been supporting me through powerlifting and through fantasy now. You can use the code CODY10 over at PR Breaker. Cotton candy is my go-to. 300 milligrams of caffeine, it gets you going. That's all you need to know. Um, I'm doing a giveaway, though. You can go over to Twitter. If you purchase something on PR Breaker, use that code CODY10. Take a picture of it. Tag me on Twitter, and I'm doing a giveaway. I'm giving away a free canister of cotton candy pre-workout, so check that out. Back into Green Bay, though. Green Bay, Marquez Valdez Scantling had the highest route ran rate on the team, 76.67%. That means he ran the most routes per snaps that he was in. So that means when he was in, he ran routes, period. He also finished with three receptions and seven targets. He had 130 unrealized air yards. That is the most out of any player in week one. He finished with 17 yards out of that. 17. The reason I'm out on this whole Green Bay situation MVS is one of the most volatile players in the NFL. He has been the last how many years? Five games last year, he finished with a stat line of zero, zero, zero. Six games last year, he finished with a stat line of under 10 fantasy points. And in just five games, he got over that 15 point mark, but it was never due to like an obscene amount of targets. It was three or four receptions for 100 yards and a touchdown. That's just how it works. It is what it is. He, he's the biggest boom bust receiver in the league right now. And Cobb and Rogers, whether we like it or not, are gonna get way, way too many opportunities. You go down to Cleveland. Cleveland is a a, a situation, right? It's a different one. Odell Beckham is coming back from an ACL injury that happened in week seven last year. Everyone's like it, it seemed like he was gonna start week one. You were like, all right, he's coming in week one, he's gonna be the guy, they're gonna be healthy. They got Kansas City. They need him week one. It turns out they really didn't need him week one. They almost won the game without him. And then he's already came out this week that he's out for week two. That's fine. They don't need him. Wait for week three, wait for week four. The smart thing is, I don't know if it's Odell. I don't know if it's the Cleveland Browns, but we know the Cleveland Browns front office is very smart. They want him to be 100%. This is a top five team in the NFL, period. And they want to be fully healthy in the playoffs, not in the regular season. You want to make it? I think they're going to make it to the regular season pretty easily just based on talent and all that alone but you need to have Odell for the playoffs more so than the regular season. And they want him to be hundred percent long-term rather than for weeks one to six. And then he gets hurt again. Like nobody wants that. So he's already out for week two, but like I said, they're good enough without him. We don't want 90%. Insert Anthony Schwartz, 16 routes, 29 snaps, three receptions for 69 yards on five targets. This was another undercovered prospect from the spring. He played at Auburn with Bo Nix the last two years, and that really depleted this dude's upside. Like, it was pretty ridiculous. He averaged 10 yards per reception at Auburn in the last two seasons, but as his freshman year, it was like 16 and a half yards per reception playing with Jarrett Stidham. Like, Jarrett Stidham's not that great of a quarterback. Playing with Jarrett Stidham versus Bo Nix was a big difference. A competent quarterback is everything. He had 126 air yards in week one. That ranked 10th in the NFL ahead of Jamar Chase, Tyler Lockett, Justin Jefferson, Henry Ruggs. He had three chances in this game to really break it open. He had a deep ball down the left sideline that he slowed up on. Baker put it about seven yards past him. If he would have kept running, it might have been close. He might have dove for it. They had a bomb that he caught that he was. it was just a bad pass down the right sideline. He had 15 yards between the hash and the sideline that Baker, if he would have put it on him, it would have been a 75-yard touchdown. That would have completely changed the realm of this. You'd be looking at a four for 110 in a touchdown game. Instead, you're looking at three for 69. Then there's a 20 yard reception at the end of the game. This, the upside that Schwartz had in week one, what could it, what was three for 69, literally had the upside to be, and it was like close. It was so minuscule. It was like five for 200. Like that was literally five for 202. We're in grasps. It sounds ridiculous. Five for 200 for Schwartz. It sounds ridiculous, but it was a 45 yard touchdown that Baker overshot and Schwartz quit running on. It was an 80 yard touchdown that Baker had a bad pass. It's ridiculous. If that's Brady, that's a touchdown any day of the week. What do you do with Anthony Schwartz though? I just added him in a couple of leagues. Why? Because I'm lacking depth. Like I have him in, in like almost every dynasty league, but in seasonal leagues, I added him in a couple spots that I lack depth in. Cut Justin Jackson, and this is one of the ones I talked about a couple of weeks ago. Was Justin Jackson? I get it. I'm holding him because I wanted to see week one what was going to happen. I, I kind of I had in this league actually I have Roundtree and Jackson, and I everything came out of camp was Roundtree, and I was like I'm just going to hold Jackson anyway because he's he kind of fits that mold of Eckler. We'll see what happens. Justin Jackson does nothing. I keep Brownstreet, I cut Jackson, I add Schwartz today for free and seasonal. If you have certain situations, definitely go add Schwartz. You're not going to regret that. This week he's matched up with the number 52 ranked cornerback on the PlayerProfiler.com cornerback rankings. That's what I've been working on all day. That's why I'm a little late tonight. He matches up with Vernon Hargraves and number 93, Terrence Mitchell. Those are going to be two guys. They play both sides, so he's probably going to get a little bit of both. Hargraves was matched up with DJ Chark last week. Like we talked about at the front of this podcast, DJ Chark finished with 197 air yards in week one, and he finished with a three for 86 stat line, pretty similar to the three for 69 from Schwartz. The only difference is Chark had 12 targets. Anthony Schwartz is $3,300 this week on DraftKings, and I'll be damn sure you would be playing him in week two. That that's That's just facts. I wanted to jump into one, two more spots, Jacksonville and Miami. And I see my man, Derek Brown, in the chat, Hunter Long. We went through a roller coaster with Hunter Long. Hunter Long early on this season, early on this off season, you know, best comparable to Jason Witten on playerprofiler.com. The only player in playerprofiler.com history to be comparable to Jason Witten was Hunter Long. Hunter Long goes down with a knee injury. What was it like? Late July, early August. And we're just like, oh no. Like it's a very small amount of people on Twitter that really were like in the Hunter Long thing. Right, having him up there at, at tight end three, tight end four, um, behind the likes of Pitts and Friarmouth and, and Brevin for a while, <clears throat> RIP. But Hunter Long, like he comes out, he gets his knee injury. Yeah, shut up. Mark Andrews of the South Beach. When I jumped on a podcast with Debro back in, what it was, May? No, 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 it was before the draft. So it might have been March or April. I can't remember straight. But anyway, he said Mark Andrews. I said Jason Witten. I mean, if you get anything close to either of that, we're going to be pretty happy. But this Miami situation in week one was a sticky one. Mike Gesecki had 20 snaps and ran 14 routes. 20 snaps. Durham Smythe ran 38, 8 routes. Hunter Long, 18 snaps, 3 routes. Yes, you heard me right. Gusecki had 20 snaps and Hunter Long, 18 snaps. Durham Smythe, 38. Oh, and there's this guy named Seaton Carter, fourth tight end on the team. He also was in for 12 snaps. Hunter Long on those three routes, no targets. Durham Smythe on those eight routes, two targets, one reception, nine yards. Mike Kiseki, 14 routes, two targets, no reception. Oh, and in week two, they get Will Fuller back. RIP to the whole tight end core in Miami. They can't pick one. They can't start two. I love Hunter Long in Dynasty, and I'm going to continue to stash him, but I I I'm out. I I mean, we know there's no upside in year one, really, for these tight ends. And this is a a Pitts-level talent and Evan Ingram-level opportunity. But, man, this Mike Kasecki situation is uh, borderline cuttable. Half the snaps of Durham Smythe, yeah, he's in there getting the routes. But there's so many receivers down there, you can't even justify starting Mike Kasecki. It sucks. There's one more guy. He popped off every chart this week, looking at tight end stats, going through game logs. It's Jacksonville. Now, a year ago, before injury, this guy was the tight end one in Jacksonville. But that wasn't really like, oh, hey, he's a tight end one in Jacksonville. Who cares? During camp, it looked like it was Chris Mannertz <laughs> During the summer, we were, we were doing mock drafts for player profiler. Luke Farrell was the guy we were like, oh, there's nobody there, but Luke Farrell's there. Well, yeah, he's a, he's a run blocker though, sadly. James Oshag Hennessy. Yes, I know it's pronounced O'Shaughnessy. It's James Oshag Hennessy for me. 57 snaps in week one. 42 routes ran. 74% routes ran rate. That's third in the NFL. Eight targets, 10.8 fantasy points. That was 10th in the NFL. Eight targets, six for 48, no touchdown. James O'Shaughnessy is going to be viable in fantasy, whether you like it or not. Justin Jackson does nothing. I keep Brown I cut Jackson. I add Schwartz today for free. Robert Woods got a little locked up. He uh, I mean, come on, right? Tough matchup. If that's Brady, that's a touchdown any day of the week. Mike Kiseki, 14 routes, two targets, no reception. Anthony Schwartz is thirty three hundred dollars this week on DraftKings, and I'll be damn sure you'd be playing him in a week two. That that's that's just facts. We had a hell of a weekend. Juwan Johnson snagging not one, but two touchdowns against Green Bay, tilting all of the Troutman owners into oblivion.